in this beautiful day that is Palm Sunday. And I don't know how many of you were in this service in the morning. Can I see hands? Wonderful. So many of you, you're not going to listen to the same message. And so many people are wondering, are we going to hear the exact same thing as we did in the morning? And it could be a possibility, but no, you're not going to have to endure that. If you want to listen to the message in the, in the morning, you can always go to the podcast. But it was such a beautiful message that Gabby shared and really made us understand and think about everything that has to do with Palm Sunday. But I'm going to give and, and share with you a reflection about this day and about specifically a psalm in the Word of God that is completely, deeply connected with Palm Sunday. So if you weren't here in the morning and if you are still uh, not understanding what is Palm Sunday about, it was this beautiful day almost 2,000 years ago when the people of Jerusalem heard such a shout, such a joyful sound coming outside of the city gates. Imagine that you're in Lisbon, imagine that you're on your day-to-day life and all of a sudden you just hear crowds and people cheering and people singing and so something is happening that is going to change the life of the city of Jerusalem. And first, and as they, this noise was coming closer and closer to the city, everyone started saying, the king is coming, the king is coming. So more curious than ever, people started to press forward to see what was happening. And some people were taking off their clothes and putting it on the floor. Some people were just taking these branches from palm trees and putting as well on the floor and rejoicing. And children were singing, Hosanna, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, which are the words of Psalm 118 as Gabby preached this morning. And then finally... With all of that happening, they saw the king himself, a man on a donkey, a symbol of royal authority coming in peace, entering the city of Jerusalem. And we have the same question as Gabby said in the morning. People were grabbing each other by the elbow. Hey, who is this king? Who is this Jesus? And this is what happened on the first Palm Sunday. The day that Jesus entered Jerusalem, gentle and riding on a donkey. And so I invite you again, if you weren't here in the morning, I invite you to go listen to the podcast of the message that fully explains this story. But as I was preparing for this evening's service and still on the same theme, I was reminded that beside these events of what was happening on the street, While Jesus was making his triumphal entry, the priests at the temple, they were praising God. It was the first day of the week. So it means that according to temple traditions, according to the ancient rabbis, the priests were reciting yet another psalm. This time it was Psalm 24. In Psalm 24, starting in verse 7, it says... Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, O you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. 
So when as Gabby just read in the people in the streets and the priests in the temple were actually asking the exact same question. Who is this king? Who is this king of glory? And the people on the streets, they were saying, it's Jesus from Nazareth. He is the Messiah. He is our king. And the priests in the temple were saying, he is the Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. And both didn't really understand that they were talking exactly about the same person. This Jesus Christ, he is the Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. And this beautiful Psalm 24, where, which, in which we are meditating this evening, it begins by praising God as the master of the universe. It, it says in verse 1 and 2, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. So these verses from the very beginning, it declares God's absolute ownership of everything there is. The whole world belongs to him. This includes not only the world, but everything that is in the world. All the rocks, all the trees, all the birds and all the bugs, everything you see, it was created by him. And because of that, it belongs to him. All the people in the world also belong to God. He claims authority over everyone in this world. And we can question this. And people question this. On what basis does God claim such absolute authority? Who is God to declare himself as the king of all things? And the basis is creation. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning, That was a bit shy on you. Let's try again. In the beginning, Okay, so when people question, why do you serve God? Why is God king of my life? Why is God king over creation? He is the king because he made it. He is king over us because he made you and me. Everything in the world, if we were tags, it would, they would say, uh, made by God, not made in China. It wouldn't say made by anyone else. Every single thing that your eyes are able to see, and even the things that are unseen, they were created, they were made by God. And because he is the creator, he is also the king. So this fact alone gives God the authority, the kingly authority over every single person in this world and every single person in this room. That is why the debate over the origins of the universe makes so much sense. That's why it's important that we, we talk about it. When people disagree about the origin of the species or about the beginning of the world, they're not simply arguing if it was a molecule or if it was a Big Bang or how the universe was made. It's a debate of who's in charge of the universe. Because if God is not our creator, he cannot be our king. So the, in the 21st century, the prevailing worldview among scientists is naturalism. is the belief that nature is everything that we see and it's everything that ever existed. 
So there is no creator means that there is no ruler. But Psalm 24 answers this by saying that God exists outside of nature. God created all things. So he was the one that called things into the existence. So he has the right to rule. There's another philosophical perspective that's called deism. How many of you have heard about deism? Some of you are going to learn something new this evening. Deism believes that God made the world. It's okay, we can agree on that. But then he left the world to run on its own. And so some people might even intellectually agree, okay, I can picture a God that made all things, but I don't see him in charge. I don't see him ruling. But Psalm 24 says that God is ruling the universe at this very moment. The laws that sustain all things that we're able to see, they are made possible because we have a God that is king over every single thing. And Psalm 24 ends with God's entrance in the city of Jerusalem as, as we, we saw in the, in the beginning of this message. That was fulfilled on Palm Sunday. And so this means that the king of Israel... The God of Israel that was welcomed into the city of Jerusalem is not just the king of glory of the Jews, but he is the king of glory of the entire universe. And if this is true, it means that Jesus always has everything under control. If Jesus is king, if he's the creator of all things, it means that God, our Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, has always everything under control. And we can prove this and we can have a glimpse of it in Matthew chapter 20, just before Jesus was entering Jerusalem. And the Bible says, Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 17. Now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the twelve aside and said to them, We're going up to Jerusalem. So far, so good. Thank you, Jesus. We know where we're going. We're going to Jerusalem. We're going, actually going with you. But Jesus continues saying, We're going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. And will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Jesus, on his way to Jerusalem, he already knew. He gave details, specific details about everything that was going to happen during that week. And looking at the events of this Passion Week that culminated with his death on the cross, not even a superficial reading of scriptures can make you feel that Jesus at any point was not in control of things. Jesus, he's the creator king. Jesus was not a good powerless man that died in the hands of his enemies. Everything that happened, everything was, happened because of his permission because he knew what his death was going to accomplish. He knows past. He knows present. He knows future. He knows every single detail of everything that is going to happen. Which means that you and I, if we were created by him, if you and I, we were created for him, 
It means that he is in absolute control of everything that happens. And I know that we spend most of our lives trying to have control over things. Most of our lives, we want to be in charge of things. We want to make sure that we're going to have good results on the decisions that we make. We like to be in control. The moment that we feel that we're losing control of things, what do we feel? Fear. What do you feel else? Despair, sadness. We don't like to not be in control. The moment that we feel that we're losing control, we want to go back to it. But according to Scripture and according to the Word of God, we are not meant to be in control of our lives. We are meant to have faith and trust in the King of our lives. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, many of you know this passage by heart, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. So many times in our lives, the enemy is going to whisper in your ear, Look, God is not taking care of you. God is not helping you. He is not being there for you. You're trying your very best. You're trusting, but life is not working out. Things are not working out. And he will make you doubt that God is in control of your life. He will make you doubt, if possible, that things are outside of his control and that you start, need to start being in charge. In those moments of your life, you just have to do one and just one thing. You just have to say, Satan, listen to me and listen to me well. You have to say, there's not a single hair in my head that falls without the permission of my God. So as much as you want to make me doubt that God is in control of, our, of all things, I choose to trust that He is in control and that anything that is happening in my life right now, it's because He's permitting it to happen. So please get out of this room, leave me alone, because I'm going to worship my King. That's what you and I, we need to do. Now listen to the enemy because you know what he's meant to say when he says that. When he starts planting those seeds of doubt in your life, he's making you question the lordship and the kingship of the creator of, of the universe. The Bible says everything that exists, everything in this planet belongs to God and he's the ruler of all things. He cares about you deeply more than you even care for your own life. He's in charge of all. He knows all things. And yes, he allows so many things to happen in our lives. But he's a loving and caring God that will be with you in every step of the way. So if the enemy wants to question his lordship, if the enemy wants to question his kingship, then we have to battle with the word of God. We have to say and declare what the Word of God says. First and foremost to us, who is the king of your life? Who is in charge of your life? Are your circumstances going to make you doubt of who is in control? Are your circumstances going to make you doubt of who created the universe and who has everything in the palm of his hand? No. 
He's too big for that. He is worthy of our trust. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not in your own understanding. Then David raises an important question in verse 3. The same Psalm, Psalm 24, he says, Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? And he's talking about God's holy temple. He's talking about in the city of Jerusalem. But in, in, in a different way, he's asking, who has permission to meet with the king? Usually kings are not very accessible. I don't know if you have that experience. But if you try to book a meeting with the prime minister of Portugal, well, good luck for you. But if you want to meet with the president of your countries, if you call their secretaries, if you say, hey, my name is Ruben, I'm a Portuguese citizen, and I want to have an audience with the president of the republic or with the prime minister, what are the chances that you're going to have that meeting? <laughs> they don't want to offend me, but the king is not accessible. The king is distant. People in charge are far away. And David was very aware of that. Not everyone gets to have an audience with the king. Not everyone gets the opportunity to be in the presence of God. Yes, he's God of the universe. He's the ruler. He has everything under control. But how is it possible? Is it even possible for me to speak with the king? Is it even possible for me to be in the presence of the king? And according to the word of God... What are the criteria? Who do we need to be in order to be in the presence of our king? And verse 4 says, He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. So there's four criteria. At least we have that. We have a list of what we need to do to be in the presence of God. So first thing, clean hands. It's not referring to hygiene, and especially not during COVID times. It's not, it's not about ritual purity even. It's about clean hands means keeping God's commands. It means outward obedience to what the king says. It needs to be someone that does what the king wants. A pure heart, it refers to our inner life. It refers to our soul. It's talking about inner integrity. No idols. Why no idols? Because there is only one true God. One God that is worthy of worship. You cannot go into the presence of God and worship something else other than Him. And do not sworn deceitfully means that this, this relationship you have with God and with the truth, it needs to be shown in the way that you relate to others. It goes back to the, the commandments of love your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. You, can, you cannot say that you love God, but then you treat others in deceitful ways. So to be worthy of the king's attention, it involves our actions, it involves our intentions, our love for him, and our love for other people. But there's one slight problem. Who can possibly meet this royal standard? There isn't one of us who hasn't failed in all these four. And we can ask, how hard can it be for God? If God really wants, he can make a way. 
But think about it. If it is hard for you to meet the prime minister of Portugal, if it's hard for you to find those other people because they're separated, because they're isolated in their importance, in their spheres, the Bible speaks about a God that is the most holy. The holiness of God means that God is separated. He is not like us. Holiness means that God, if, if you think that meeting the prime minister of Portugal and all those people, you, were more, you would more easily meet. Let me see the names. Christine Lagarde. You know who she is? Who is she? Who is she? EU. She's in charge of EU. She's the, the, the one that is in charge of the European Union. You would more likely to have a barbecue with Christine Lagarde, Emmanuel Macron, Joe Biden, and Antonio Guterres, and all of them. Altogether than having an audience with the king of the universe. Because God is holy. And we do not deserve to be in the presence of the king of kings. Jesus actually used an expression. It would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Than us to be able to have this relationship with God. And when the disciples heard this. Jesus said. For people, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And God made a way. And Psalm 24 shows us the way. In verse 5 it says, This person will receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God, his Savior. This is the person who seeks him, who searches for the face of the God of Jacob. This person that seems so perfect, but this person that doesn't exist is someone that still, even if we were able to accomplish all of that, this person would still need a savior. And this person would still need the righteousness from his God. In order to be declared righteous in God's sight, we have to receive God's righteousness in us. So on Palm Sunday... It was a day when the Passover lamb was being chosen to be sacrificed later in the week. If you don't know many of the details now, we would go into a different message about that. But the, the Old Testament and the Old Covenant with God meant that animals had to be sacrificed to remember people of the wrong things that they did and to remind them that there is a penalty for our sins, that is death. So they would go into these sacrifices and during Easter, they would have this big festival and a main sacrifice. And on Palm Sunday, it was the day that the priest would choose the lamb that was going to be sacrificed on Easter. Palm Sunday was the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem. And contrary to what people were thinking that he's going to be the king that is going to deliver us from oppression, he's the king that is going to deliver us and make our lives better. Jesus was the Lamb of God that was sacrificed for our salvation. Little did the people know that God already had chosen His perfect Lamb that takes away our sins. So we do not go into the presence of God based on our merits. We do not approach the throne of God based on our feelings 
It's not based on what we do. It's not based if we wake up in a good day that we feel that we've done good enough deeds. It is only by God's saving work. And going back to the story of Palm Sunday in Mark chapter 11, verse 8 says, Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the field. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Hosanna means one thing. Hosanna means God saves. God saves. Salvation is coming from God. God here right now is saving his people. But on this Palm Sunday, it's interesting and very sad to understand that not everyone who sang God's praises received Jesus as their Savior King. On the first day of the week, while the priests were singing Psalm 24 at the temple, the whole city was welcoming Jesus as King. However, by the end of the week, the same people were calling for Jesus' crucifixion. It's not enough to simply say that Jesus is the King of glory. It's not enough to say nice things about Him. It's not enough to put on your clothes on the floor to honor Him and making sacrifices for Him. We are to enthrone Him in the throne of our lives. We are to give Him the throne in each and every one of us. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, and this is the testimony, this is the truth of the matter, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you, believe, uh, to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. This is God's essential message to men. That eternal life, it is a gift from God. It is righteousness that God gives us so that we can have a relationship with Him. So that we can walk in our lives with Him. Eternal life is not granted to the whole world. His kingship is not imposed on everyone that exists. It's not even to all Christians just because they say that they are Christian. This righteousness, this salvation, this eternal life is given to individuals. Soul by soul. According as each does or does not accept the Son of Man. That's why we did a baby dedication. This baby dedication didn't save Alma for eternity. If we could, we would make that choice for her, but it's not up to us to decide. She will grow up, and she will make her decision one day to follow Jesus. And every person that exists needs to make this decision. And John's confidence when he wrote this letter, it was really impressive. He wants you and I to know for sure that we have eternal life. If you have the Son of God, you have eternal life. 
Your salvation rests in Jesus and not in your performance. It doesn't depend on anything that you do, but relying on what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And the blessing is this eternal life and this relationship with the king. It doesn't begin when we leave earth. It begins today. It can start today. Today, you can have an audience with the King of Kings and with the Lord of Lords. Today, you can start living with the King of the universe that loves you and created you with a purpose and with a plan. Now he knows how your life is. And that is why he sent Jesus. That is why Jesus came 2,000 years ago exactly for that purpose, to be the Lamb of God, to be the sacrifice of God for your salvation. Because you and I, we didn't deserve to be in the presence of God. What we deserved was death and eternal death. But Jesus died on that cross and he took the penalty for my sins and your sins so that today you can receive the righteousness of God. You cannot come to God based on what you do. As good as it might look to others, it is nothing enough and compared to the glory and the holiness of God. But when you come into the presence of God because you've embraced Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you are welcome not just to visit the King of Kings, you are welcome to live with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let me close the same way that we open this time in Psalm 24. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. Now, if you were here in one of the last Sundays, when, when the Bible is talking about gates, he's not really talking about gates. He is talking about gates, but it's not really about gates. It's talking about your heart and my heart. Are the gates of your heart open to Jesus? Or is Jesus still standing outside of the gates saying, open your heart to me? How is Jesus? What is his role? What, who is he to you and to your life today? The only way to receive his love, the only way to receive his salvation, the only way to receive his grace, the only way to receive his wisdom the only way to receive eternal life is when we open the gates of our heart and we say, you're welcome, Lord Jesus, to rule in my heart and life. Now, Jesus will be persistent. And I've heard many people that not coming to church, even coming to church, they still don't know and they don't know at what foot they stand with Jesus. And one thing that I know about Jesus is that he is persistent. He will continue knocking at the door of your heart. He will continue knocking at the gates. But one thing that he will never do is force an entry in your life. It is up to you to open your heart and let the king of glory come in. I want to invite the worship team to come. So when your fears and your friends, they ask, what are you going to do? Who's in control 
of your life? What are you going to do next? May your answer be, it's going to be whatever my Lord and King Jesus Christ decides it will be. The next time your fears and your struggles start to overwhelm your emotions and you do not understand what is happening and it may feel that God is distant, it may feel that God doesn't care, it may feel that God is not opening up the doors for you, it may feel that your plans are just being frustrated, you may feel that God does not have a plan. This is what you need to declare. I have a king of my heart. I have a king over my life. And he's in control of all things. Not just my life, he's in control of all the universe. Nothing happens in my life without his permission. And that should give you the confidence and the ability to trust and worship at his feet. Regardless of circumstances, regardless of how you feel he is doing, he is still a good God that is in control. And while may sometimes we have to let go of things because of his plans and purposes, he's not less of a good God because of that. God is perfectly good. He is a good father. Remind your soul of that. When the enemy comes with his lies and with his deceptions, you need to put him back in his place. Our Lord Jesus, who died on the cross, who triumphed over death, now he reigns in glory forevermore. And throughout the days of our lives, that's what we are going to declare. And I invite you to stand with me. And we're going to continue to be in the presence of our King, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if you've never made this decision to open up your heart to Jesus, you can do that. It's so easy. Just with your mouth, you can speak with him just now and say, Jesus, I need you. I open my heart to you. Come rule. Come be my King. Take over because I don't know what to do next. I don't know what is the plan that you have for my life, but I surrender to you because you're in control of all things. Save me now, Jesus. And God is going to listen to that prayer. And a miracle is going to happen in your life. And maybe, just maybe, you've been walking with Jesus and you're still in the process of surrendering. We're all in this process, my friends. But today... More than any other day, more than any other opportunity in the future, choose to open your heart to Jesus today. Choose to open the gates of your heart today and let Jesus rule. I don't know everything that he is going to do. I don't know of all the plans that he's going to unfold. I don't know what is the solution to the problems that you're facing now. I don't know the answer to the questions that you have rumbling in your head right now. But one thing I know for sure, he is the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. And your life couldn't be in better hands than his. So choose today to surrender your heart. And as we worship, as we sing, make these, this, these songs the prayer of your heart. Open up the gates and let the King of Glory come in. Who is this King of Glory? He is the Lord Almighty. He is the God that is strong in battle. He is the God that is able to do above anything that we can possibly imagine. So let us worship our King.